The Detroit Tigers have officially signed Kenta Maeda. Let's talk about it all today on Locked On Tigers. You are Locked On Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Monday, November 27th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. All righty. Well, we have another move in this still very young offseason. The Detroit Tigers have officially signed Kenta Maeda to a two-year contract. Uh, he pitched for the Minnesota Twins last season. We will talk very in-depth about his repertoire, what type of pitcher he is, what he did last year, what he's done the last few years, really his career as a whole. We will talk about the impact that this could potentially have on really the entire organization. Um, this is something that Scott Harris made pretty clear pretty early on was that he wanted to be a much bigger player in the Japanese player market. Now, Kenta Maeda has been pitching in Major League Baseball for seven years now. Uh, so he's not, you know, like straight coming from the NPB straight to the Detroit Tigers. However, uh, th this is still something that a lot of people, I think, are rightfully pointing to as, uh, as an attempt to try to get the Tigers to be bigger players in the, the very, very talented Japanese player market, uh, and especially in an offseason like this one where you have several really good players uh, coming from there, I, I think that it uh, I think that it makes a lot of sense. Really, I mean, it's only his second offseason. I think he just wanted to kind of get the ball rolling in general on it. But uh, I, I do think that there's some conversations at least to be had. We'll talk about the magnitude of the effect of signing a 35, soon to be 36-year-old Kenta Maeda. And if that's really like this massive game changer or whatnot in that uh, in that market. But I do think that it's something to have a conversation about. So we will do that. Uh, and then we'll talk about just what the 2024 rotation looks like as a whole now for your Detroit Tigers and the overall reaction to the signing. And then talk a little bit about what could happen down the road. Now that Kenta Maeda is here, does that mean a change of opinion in some other people in the rotation? Okay, talk about kind of the plan for the rest of the offseason as well. But uh, Kenta Maeda, the newest member of the Detroit Tigers, I, he's such a professional pitcher, man. Uh, he, he's really been a joy to watch uh, wherever he's been, Minnesota, L.A. Uh, he, he has really been the, the – he is such a professional pitcher. That is really how – I describe him and we did a little bit of a breakdown on him what was that probably two weeks ago now already uh we kind of talked about some pitchers that the Tigers may be interested in um and Maeda was someone that Evan Petzl of the Freep you know to, to give a shout out has been all over this coverage of uh, the Tigers interest in Maeda for for weeks now 
um, to sort of see it come to fruition is is very cool uh, for him and, and kind of gave the fan base a little bit of a head start. So shout out to Evan for doing a fantastic job as he always does. Um, so yeah, this is a, a 35-year-old, like I said, this time next year will be 36-year-old uh, Kenta Maeda. He is a right-handed pitcher this past season. He had a 4-2-3 ERA in 21 appearances. 20 of those 21 were starts. Uh, he had a 1-0. He had a he threw 104 and a third innings pitched. He had a six and eight win-loss record. 117 strikeouts. A 1.17 WHIP. We'll get into a little bit more of the analytical numbers here in a second. Uh, and yeah, you signed him to a two-year, $24 million deal. Uh, first and foremost, just initial reaction to the value. I love it. It's fantastic value. I also love the two-year thing. Um, and, and the reason that that I, I just love giving out two-year deals in general, I, I would prefer... Now, if you're, if you're talking like big money, it's a little hairier and you can't quite do this to a T. You can't just do this with everybody, everybody. Um, but I would pretty much, I don't want to say always. Again, it gets a little dicey. Um, but I prefer two-year deals over one-year deals if you are confident in signing, which like I don't know why you would make a signing that you weren't confident in. I, I just I think that the flexibility of what you can do with a two-year deal is far greater than only a one-year deal. Now, some people would argue, and I don't necessarily disagree with this, that there's no, you know, the old adage, there's no such thing as a bad one-year deal. I I understand that, and I understand that it's a little bit maybe more of a safer play, um, but the, the flexibility that comes with a two-year deal is far greater. Uh, if you are at the trade deadline in year one of a two-year deal, and you are confident that you can that you don't necessarily need said player for the next two years to remain competitive, or if you are a selling team just straight up, uh, you get objectively, look at the history of baseball, significantly. It's not close. It's not like, oh, like maybe there's some wiggle room here. Maybe we can talk, you know, like um, may, there's some times where maybe a one-year deal is better and the market doesn't play. No, uh, 11 out of 10 times, a, a year and a half of a player gets you significantly more in a return than half a year. Now, I don't think that the Tigers are signing Kenta Maeda to a two-year deal to trade him at the trade deadline in year one. I don't think that's the intention, but it does provide the flexibility of that possibility. And that, I think, is, is good. Also, if the player sucks and is completely unplayable, which I also don't think Kenta Maeda will be, um, but, it, but if the player is completely unplayable, then uh, it's not a situation where you're really like locked up long-term, um, but you can you can be comfortable with like a buyout in year one of a two-year deal when the AAV for Maeda's you know, case is 12 mil a year AAV. If he is just absolutely dreadful, he's got a nine ERA, nothing's working, he's topping out at 86 miles an hour, then you can just count your losses. And yeah, obviously it's it's you don't want to count your losses ever, um, but you still have the flexibility to do so, and it's not too much harm to the organization, right? There's just there's so much flexibility that comes with a two-year deal. And then obviously the biggest form of flexibility is just you get the player for longer if he's good. And that I think is just the most like basic and, and simplistic form of why I like this deal. I think Kenta Maeda is a professional solid pitcher. 
and he struggled at the very beginning of 2023. We'll talk about that. When the starting pitching market first opened, he was not on my radar whatsoever. And I think I just kind of, not that I, I like dismissed it in terms of like, oh, like that's, that's dumb or like he's bad or anything like that. I think it was more of just like, oh, like I don't really like see that happening. And I kind of just like dismissed it and threw it to the side. Um, and then as these reports have been coming out of interest, um, maybe it's maybe it's tigered cover, you know, t- uh, tigers colored goggles. Um, but uh, but I I really don't mind. I don't mind the signing at all. Now, is this a, you know, this dude's going to come in and be a Cy Young caliber pitcher and he's going to raise the ceiling of your rotation significantly? No. And I'm not going to sell you to that either. Um, but I, I do think that this is a really solid floor raising acquisition. I think that this makes your rotation objectively better than it was 48 hours ago when Kenta Maeda wasn't a Detroit Tiger. I think he makes your 2024 rotation project better than your 2023 rotation. That is the whole point of a free agent signing. You got him on a two-year deal. If he's solid, then, then you can bag him and, and have him on your on your rotation for the next two years, Right. But it gives you the flexibility to do a lot of things with a two-year deal. And the AAV is just straight-up good money. Uh, the projected salary for Maeda, pretty much no matter what you use, was in the 30s. Uh, as far as millions of dollars total, uh, I think baseball MLB trade rumors was 36 mil. I want to say fan graphs was a little bit less than that, but still much more than 24. Um, uh, th- what does that mean? Like, oh, like no one else wants him. I guess that's kind of a pessimistic way you could look at it. Um, I, I think that uh, it's probably just like he's 35 and just had Tommy John in 2022. So like, fair enough. Uh, but he got off to a really slow start, went back on the IL to start off 2023. And since coming off the IL for the last like four months of the season, had like three, five, sub three, five ERA ball in him. And uh, I like that. I also think he ages well. I think that the, the profile of pitcher you know, it's it, there are there are a lot of pitchers out there that because Kenta Maeda has never had to lean into or rely is probably the better word velocity in order to get strikeouts and get outs period at the major league level. Uh, the fact that his velocity has gone down like a mile per hour over the last couple of years and since coming back from Tommy John hasn't affected his ability to have uh, the, the I mean the best ERA he's had since 2020. And that was even a COVID-shortened season. That was 11 starts. He had a really solid year last year after his 9 ERA blow-up in April. All right, let's keep talking about it. We'll talk about just like the profile, the type of pitcher that he is. We kind of started that conversation there. And then obviously we'll talk about just the overall impact of this signing and what it means for the Tigers' rotation, you know, the, the Japanese pipeline that we've been talking about and that Harris has been talking about. We will talk about all of that and more right after I tell y'all about our friends over at FanDuel. You can score this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We talk about FanDuel all the time, and right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use, so there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, and you can take a part in a lot of really fun player props. Honestly, at this time of year in the NFL season, 
you're, you're starting, well, really just football season in general, you're starting to hit a really, really important stride of the season. Obviously, the Lions have some really important football coming up, but a lot of teams do. And there's a lot of individual award races that are very close. There's no clear, blatant front runner for NFL MVPs. So there's a lot of fun player props to get in in that regard as well. So again, visit FanDuel.com slash on this NFL season. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. Uh, we're going to have a bullpen conversation at some point this week. Uh, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Just kind of the, you know, we, we'll have a, the official team announcement from uh, Kenta Maeda. Um, we, we got a, we'll probably have a few more things in that regard. We have a minor league signing to talk about tomorrow as well. Not a big thing, but uh, worth bringing up. So we got a few more stuff to talk about as well. We'll have that bullpen conversation when uh, when news dies down a little bit, probably at some point this week. But yeah, we're going to keep the, the news circuit uh, revolving here as we go along. And the Tigers making another move, bringing in right-handed pitcher Kenta Maeda. Um, so when it comes to Maeda and just the type of pitcher that he is, like we talked about a little bit there, not an overpowering below guy, but never has been and continues to get swing and miss and strikeout stuff. Uh, fastball is only going to top out at about 91, maybe top out at like 92, probably sit 91. Has a changeup, a slider, and a curveball as well. I mean, these underlying numbers this last year were, were pretty fantastic outside of one like glaring weakness that he had. And we'll talk about that here in a second as well. Um, but with a 4-2-3 ERA, his expected ERA was 3-7-7. A lot of the projective stats say that he should have been even better than he was. And that also has to do with, again, the fact that his ERA ballooned in April, right? He had a 9 ERA in four starts in April and then went on the IL, but then came off the IL, 1-8 ERA in just two starts in June, 293 ERA in a full July, 504 in August, and then 281 in September. So that post All Star ERA was 379, and his post IL ERA was closer to around 35, 36. So uh, fantastic once he came back from the injury that uh, that really kind of bit him in the leg there earlier in the season. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is a 76 percentile in chase rate type of pitcher while also remaining in the 78th percentile in walk rate. He had a six and a half percent walk rate with a 27.3 percent K rate. Both of those are better than 25 percent better than league average. 77th percentile, 78th percentile in K rate and walk rate, respectively. 66th percentile in whiff rate still gets a lot of swings and misses. And like, look like this again, like no high velocity stuff here. Um, but like that splitter is, is nasty and like always has been and always will be. He's going to throw a lot of fastballs as well. Like this is a, a guy that threw 27 and a half percent four seam fastballs again, averaging 91 miles an hour, um, has a sinker as well. Kind of a little bit of a, a little bit of a tailing pitch to it that he really only exclusively throws to righties doesn't really throw the sinker to too many lefties um, but he'll throw the splitter to anybody in last season right again throws it just the same to righties and lefties it's, it was his most thrown pitch last year at 32 percent 
had a 182 batting average against and a 263 slug against. That is absolutely freaking phenomenal. 35% whiff rate on his splitter. Again, he is 35 years old coming off of Tommy John. And his best pitch, he threw the most. That lines up with the Chris Fetter philosophy perfectly. Chris Fetter immediately came in and went, none of this pitching backwards nonsense. And it's a lot more complicated than that, obviously. I'm not trying to oversimplify the work that Fetter has done. Obviously, he, he I think he is one of the best pitching, pitching coaches in the game of baseball. But like you are going to throw your best pitches the most because uh, they are your best pitches. And the fact that Maeda did that uh, each of, uh, well, in, in 2023, uh, at least, is is great. The highest usage rate was his splitter, which, again, great numbers. His slider as well, 237 batting average against. Uh, gave up a lot of extra base hits with the slider, which is something that they will take a look at. But really good whiff rate numbers in there as well. Uh, not afraid to throw the fastball, even though it's not too fast of a pitch, but it's a great setup pitch. Uh, and, and yeah, ha has been a, a consistent, you know, like hit pretty decently, not going to get a ton of swings and misses with it, but like a 25% whiff rate for a four seam fastball that tops out at 91 is like kind of impressive. Like, I, again, I, I'm not trying to, to oversell anything here. I think he's going to be a middle of the rotation arm for this team, you know, three or four, maybe guy on opening day. Um, but I, I think this is a really solid three or four on an opening day roster. I, I really do. I think that he could be really, really solid for this baseball team. The, the, the one thing, the one glaring issue from his season outside of just like pointing to the month of April in 2023 was the fact that he gave up a ton of fly balls and his ground ball rate was astronomically low. Now, the one like silver lining I have with this, and we talked about this a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago, is that um, it, it's it's an outlier, um, but it is ridiculous. Uh, his fly ball rate was 33.5%. That is 10% worse, quote unquote, higher than league average, which is 23.5%. You want to limit fly balls. And like you put him in Comerica, that'll obviously help a little bit, but like that's really high. A third of batted balls being fly balls is not great. Um, and then the ground ball rate was 33.5%. League average is 44.5%. That's 10% lower. You want to ground balls. That's not a bad thing. You you want, you, you, you know, strikeouts are king these days for, for Major League Baseball. But the more ground balls you can get on batted ball data, the better. Um, and the fact of the matter is he was in the ninth percentile in ground ball rate. Uh, bottom 10% of the league when it came to the amount of ground balls he gave up, which is obviously something that they're going to want to do. look at. Now, again, these are outliers. This dude has been pitching since 2016, and at no point has it ever even dipped below 40%, his ground ball rate, that is. And his fly ball rate has never been higher than 25% before this past season. So could just be really egregious outliers and could snap back to reality. Up there goes gravity. Could snap back to it a little bit. Um, but uh, but we'll see. Something to keep an eye out there for sure. Look, man, I, like he had a 4-2-3 ERA. Uh, like his career ERA is 3-9-2 across seven seasons. This is not a guy that's going to come in and, and be like a Cy Young candidate. He's not going to be like he shouldn't be your best pitcher. You, you have too much talent in this rotation. 
for him to be like, you know, one of your better arms. Uh, but I think it's this is a fantastic floor-raising move, like I said at the beginning. This is a great guy you plug in as the fourth pitcher in your rotation. It's not some big splash. You know, everybody's still talking about, well, this isn't the big splash. This isn't the big splash. I understand. I'm not telling you it is. But I am telling you that entire off-seasons are not just big splashes. There's a lot of other moves that have to go along with it. And if if Mark Canna and Kenta Maeda are the only two moves we make, we will have that conversation in March about whether this was a failure or a successful offseason. But for right now, on November 28th, uh, they're really good supplemental, like supporting cast type of moves that I think raise the floor of this baseball team. Uh, I think Kenta Maeda is a really professional pitcher. I have nothing but good things to say about him on the mound. Um and yeah, uh, post again, post injury last year, he was legit. He was really legit. Uh, as far as innings go, he has gotten hurt each of the last three years at some point. This year, only through 104 innings. 2021, only through 106 innings. 2022, missed the entire season. And 2020 was the shortened COVID season. The last time that this dude eclipsed 150 innings was 2019. That's the only like real gripe I have is just that like I need more innings. And we'll talk about the rotation here in a second. You have now some starting pitching depth at your disposal. Uh, we'll even talk about like what to do going forward and if this could even open the door for another move and then another move. But we'll kind of talk about the domino effect that this move could have uh, here in a second after the break. But um, yeah, I, I, I just want if I'm not even asking for like 155, 170 at this point. This dude can go out there and start 25 games and, and get me 135 innings of, again, like around four ERA around his career average, 392. If he goes out there and throws 4-1 ERA baseball for, for 135 innings, I'll view this as a successful signing and I'll be fine with him going into 2025 uh, a year older. Okay, cool. Let's talk about just the impact that this is going to have on the Tigers in general. Uh, which, again, we're going to talk about the Japanese market. We'll talk about the 2024 rotation, what it looks like, some more moves that could come out of this, and some more moves that could come out of those moves. We'll talk about all of that right after this. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. I appreciate you all for tuning in as always. So uh, Kenta Maeda, the newest member of the Detroit Tigers, two years, $24 million total. That's 12 mil a year. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm I, I'm fine with it. Uh, again, I'm not like throwing a parade down Woodward. This isn't some like franchise altering move. Uh, but I, I do think that it could have impact off the field. And we've talked about it a lot. Uh, just the impact that this is like could potentially have, not guaranteed, but the the impact that this could have on getting the Tigers' foot in the door on being much more aggressive in the Japanese player market uh, is 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 awesome. Really, is the word I want to use. Uh, this is something that Scott Harris has talked about since he came in that he wanted the Tigers to be much more established in the Japanese player market. And because for my entire life, they have not been even remotely at all ever. Uh, I, I'm trying to think, I actually think Raj, I think Rahelio uh, of Motor City Metrics tweeted out the last Japanese pitcher that the Tigers had. Um, 
first Japanese pitcher in Detroit since Hideo Nomo in 2002, according to Raj on Motor City Metrics. And then Chris Brown on Motor City Metrics as well says, Kenta Maeda is a solid number four starter, and that's probably all he'll be. But there's also a small, and he emphasizes small chance that he ends up being the most important Tigers free agent since Pudge Rodriguez. Uh, and that's something that, again, like I'm trying to to articulate as best I can without getting like the troops too riled up here uh, on this show. Do I think that Kenta Maeda is going to lead the Detroit Tigers to Yamamoto? No, I do not. I don't think that the Tigers are going to go out and, and, and spend 200 mil plus a posting fee and bring in Yamamoto because Yamamoto's agent said that he wanted to play with other Japanese players. I don't think that that is true. I shouldn't say true. It might end up being true. I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. I don't think that that's what's going to happen. I don't expect that to happen. Um, what I can say, though, is that I think Shota is maybe a little more realistic and someone that would follow a similar uh, thought process into acquiring, right? And we talked about Shota Imanaga last week. We talked about him two weeks ago. He is someone that is much less talked about that is also a really good Japanese pitcher that played in the NPB and is coming over at the exact same time this offseason. He's a free agent as Yamamoto. Yamamoto's 25 years old and has a splitter that's in like 95 miles an hour and gets a ton of swings and misses and is obviously the best pitcher on the market. And he's going to deserve all 200 mil that he's probably going to get. Okay. Um, Imanaga is not as much of a swing and miss guy, even though he did have his strikeouts. His fastball has really good, uh, like super advanced, like uh, peripherals. Uh, which which people like, even though it's only 91, 92, tops out maybe at 93 miles an hour, much less of a velo guy, but doesn't have like the crazy strikeout numbers that Yamamoto has. Um, but, but Imanaga doesn't walk anyone ever. And I think that that really fits the Scott Harris profile greatly. And I, again, there are similar conversations with him as Yamamoto in the sense of like, they want to go somewhere where there is other Japanese players established and on the team. And uh, again, that is something that a lot of people have already, just in the hours after this signing, have pointed to as like, look, you know, Kenta Maeda is solid and he'll be, a, he'll be, a, again, as, as I said, as I said, Chris Brown said, like, He'll be a, a middle of the rotation, bottom end of the rotation arm for this team. He fits the profile well. He'll probably raise the floor of the rotation. And I, I hope he's solid and healthy. Um, but th 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 this is, we don't know if it's a whole foot or whether it's just like the pinky toe, but it is a foot in the door on an untapped market that the Tigers have just completely ignored for the last 20 years. And I think that's really exciting. And when talking about the impact of what could happen the rest of the offseason now, what's the rotation as it stands right now, right? It's Scooble, it's Mize, it's Reese Olsen, it's Matt Manning, and it's Kenta Maeda. Um, and that's not necessarily in the exact order outside of Scooble at the top. Um, but it's it's Scooble and then those next four gentlemen in some order, right? 
I think there's an argument. Maeda is like already your number two. That's probably not like the best sign in the world. Um, but like with Mize coming off of Tommy John, Manning just being a, a complete confusing kind of anomaly to me uh, about what you're going to get from him on a start to start basis. Um, Reese Olsen, first full season, who knows? Like th- there's a chance that Maeda is, even if he's not your second pitcher on opening day, that he's your second most productive pitcher throughout the course of the season, uh, which again is more of a testament to how far the Tigers still have to go to be like a premier team. Um, but so, so you have those four, you, you have those five names, at least in the rotation, Scooble and those four. Um, I think there's a conversation to be had for going out and spending bigger money on another starting pitcher. And I think that that conversation, whether you want to go to work, go to bed, whatever you're doing right now, listening to this show, I appreciate you greatly allowing me to be a part of your day. Um, whatever you're doing right now, if you want to, if you want to leave this show with uh, the, the dream that Yamamoto is a possibility, don't let me stay in your way. All right. Um, even though I'm the, the, the pessimistic, you know, negative person in this situation, um, that, that if you want to believe that it's a possibility, go for it. Uh, I think Imanaga is, is much more reasonable kind of in the same breath, but even if neither of them are possibilities, I still think that it makes a lot of sense for the tigers to drop money, legitimate money, not not, you know, $20 million on a couple years, not go and, and go like bargain hunting. And, and again, I, I support this signing. I'm, I'm not trying to dog th- this signing specifically, but like go drop legitimate money on a legitimate talent. Then you're rolling in next season and you have Mize, you have Scooble, you have Maeda, you have whoever this imaginary person I'm dreaming in my head is. And then you have Reese Olsen slash slash Matt Manning. That gives you a lot of flexibility. A, it gives you a lot of innings, which again, I cannot reiterate enough. You need uh, because your, your rotation will not stay healthy. Again, Maeda has not eclipsed 150 in four years and he's 35. Like there, there are... You, Reese Olsen has never pitched a full major league baseball season. Casey Mize is coming off of Tommy John. Tarek Skubal, best pitcher in baseball from July to the end of the season, has never pitched even close to a full year of major league baseball. We're going on year three. All right. You, you don't have anyone who is guaranteed to even give you 150 innings next year. So you can just keep them all and go for it. Reese Olsen can be in your bullpen until you need him to be, uh, et cetera. Or... You look and you go, oh, we have Wilmer Flores in the 40-man now. We have Sir Gibson Long in the 40-man now. He'll start off in AAA. We can call him up when we need be. We have some depth. We're relatively confident we can piece together the innings here, even if we were to trade a starting pitcher. Wilmer Flores is someone that, again, Raj of Motor City Metrics has talked about trading several times. Matt Manning, who we've talked about trading on this show a plethora of times. I think that going out and dropping a legitimate bag on a starting pitcher, I'm totally cool if that's Imanaga. If it's neither of them, I still want you to do it. I think you are in a prime position now after this signing to hand this baton off to a significant starting pitching signing. And look, this team needs to score more runs, okay? But this is not a very good offensive free agency market. So how do you kill two birds with one stone, okay, besides just having a great arm? 
You go out, you bring in another starting pitcher, you spend the money that you do have, you go and you get another starter. The situation unfolds how I just laid it out. You can then trade one of your young starting pitchers that still has value, some more than others, some pretty solid value. And that's how you bring in a bat. And you still have the innings, and you still have starting pitchers that are going to start the season in AAA or your bullpen that you're confident can start games at the major league level. I love this move, not because I think Kenta Maeda is going to go out there and be a Cy Young vote receiver. I love this move because of the potential moves that follow it. I think you have set yourself up yourself up absolutely brilliantly. But that does require you to go out and and do what I have uh, what I have just laid out. And obviously, there, there's not one road to victory and success here. Okay, I'm not saying if they don't do what I just said that like I'm not. I promise I'm not that egotistical. Like, I don't think that just like my way or the highway, it's the only way to be successful here. Um, but I love this idea personally, and I think that it's a fantastic pathway to getting your starting pitching even better, getting you more innings, and still having that starting pitching depth while being able to bring in a young controllable bat as well. And the fact that it is also in the Japanese market and there are two prominent Japanese pitchers that are on the market. Like all of this is just, it's, it's exciting. And, and I think that that's why I agree with what, with what Chris Brown said so much is that it's like in a vacuum, the player is not, some revolutionary organizational changing thing. But the possibilities that now lie out there after signing him, I think could really help this team in the coming months. Thanks for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. I appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back tomorrow as always. All right. Obviously, let me let me know what y'all think. Sorry for the the midnight watchers here, the night crawlers. Uh, that uh, this episode's coming out so late. Um, the uh, I had an episode recorded, and then I went to the Division One State football uh, game at Ford Field. A fantastic football game, one of the best football games I've ever been to, by the way. Uh, Belleville and Southfield A and T, uh, and and the signing happened while I was there, and then had to come home. And then, like, had to re-record everything. So it's well after midnight now. Um, okay, I think that's it. Cool. I'll see y'all tomorrow, baby. Peace and love. Going to Therapy's Dope. I'll catch y'all then. Go Tigers.